Hello and welcome to the PopBreak.com's official Oscars podcast, hosted by Marissa Carpico and Matt Taylor. Taylor, a podcaster at thepopbreak.com. I'm here, as always, with my Oscar co-host, Marissa Carficos, film editor of thepopbreak.com. Say hi, Marissa. Hello. Uh, And this is the uh, Too Early Oscar podcast. We are not too early this time. We are mere days away from the Oscar ceremony, and we are here to do another Oscar category breakdown episode. In this case, we are talking about best documentary feature. We had to record this one pretty down to the last minute because we were hoping that we'd be able to track down uh, Writing with Fire, one of the nominees, but uh, unfortunately it's not available to see seemingly until after the Oscars, so theoretically maybe one day we will see it. Marissa and I were just talking off mic about how we may, we may never see it, but it's you know, we're being honest here, but we will talk about the other four, which we I got have five seen. seasons of Pretty Little Liars to get through, you know? Yeah, it's, it's you know, like, <laughs> there's a reason why I watch a lot of documentaries in, like, the two weeks before the Oscars, and then not really throughout the rest of the year, but, uh, and that's because I'm a dummy who doesn't have the patience for a lot of them, but, um, but we did watch four of the nominees, uh, I think we liked uh, pretty, like, most of them, and yeah. um, though the four films we will be talking about are um, Ascension, Attica, Flea, and Summer of Soul, or When the Revolution Could Not Be Televised. Um, let's let's just get Flea out of the way, because we talked about that so many times at this point that everybody probably like knows our thoughts on it, but we will remind you, in case you were specifically waiting for the documentary episode, <laughs> to, to hear our thoughts on it. Um, Marissa, do you want to start? What, what, are you, what do you think about Flea? Just a quick yeah, summary. Yeah, Flea is a um, animated film uh, that is also nominated an animated international fi- feature um, uh, that is about a, um, an Afghan refugee and his family who um, he's an adult now um, and he's being interviewed by um, a schoolmate of his uh, from Denmark where he um, eventually made it to after fleeing. Um, and it's a, uh, basically um, a film about his experience getting out and getting out. Um, and it's animated because they have to protect his identity. And um, yeah, I, I, you know, if you've listened to any of the um, other multiple podcasts that we talk about this film about on um, I'm, I'm cool on it because I, I find the animation a little distancing from the emotional beats, even though it is necessary to be able to tell things like, um, uh, events that happened in the past so it's like doing a recreation essentially but you know actual recreations and documentaries always come off a little cheesy to me unless they're really well done so um you know i, I think your 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 mileage is going to vary based on whether you can um accept the conceit of the the animation but it's a it's a solid enough film um certainly like of the four that we've seen in the middle of the pack for me. Yeah, it's, um, you know, I saw this at Sundance in um, 2021. 
I was like, what year are we in? What year was that? But I saw it in 2021. <laughs> so it's been, it's been a minute, but I, um, I would be very impressed by it. I think, you know, um, the, the animation, I, I think it works as an animated film. Um, I think it, like, it's a very compelling story. Uh, I think, and I talked about this, I believe in our, um, international film episode but i do think it's interesting that like this got nominated in three categories international animated and uh documentary but like that might end up hurting its chances more broadly um because it's like you know it'll split its own votes essentially because people will kind of want to support another one in the category because they're like well this one has a chance in the other categories and um, I think that's it's a, just an interesting little like uh, facet of this award season, but um, I do think it's good. It's it's of the documentaries I would say that we that we were able to see. Um, it's I can't. Even, I was gonna say it's probably my second favorite, but I actually do think uh, that's another one that stands out more. But I, I think this one works. Yeah. I think it's it's a compelling um, it's compellingly told. I definitely responded to it a little more than. You did, but I agree with your statement of just like uh, your mileage will vary. I think there, like the the way it is done is necessary for telling a story, but um, it could be alienating. So you know um, that we we've talked about this movie so many times that I I'm trying to think of a new way of phrasing it, but it is uh, it is uh, hard. And um, you know, I'm just uh, I find the thing I find I found that. I found it interesting, and I I really like the um the queer elements of the story. There's a there's a very mm-hmm. warm um uh scene in a gay club that I thought was really uh, fascinating and that has stuck with me since the um the original viewing. And um all right, that's that's that. We'll talk about a little bit more, I guess, when we get to like who we think will win. But um let's get to the new stuff that we haven't been able to talk about so far. Uh, we'll start with Attica, which um. Uh, I'm not 100% sure if it ever got a proper theatrical release in in the U.S. I'm looking at Wikipedia now, and it's a little unclear, but it it is on Showtime, and if you have a Showtime subscription, it is still available to you. That's how I watched it. And um, uh, this is a documentary. It's uh, directed by Tracy Curry and Stanley, Stanley Nelson, and it is uh, looking at the, you know, very famous uh, Attica uprising uh, that took place in 1971. Um, they're interviewing many, so many people connected with the story, whether it be um, actual people who were prisoners on that, like, um, on there on that day, the families of guards from that, um, from that, from that day. So, like, you know, they were children back then, and now they're, like, in their... Uh, 60s or 70s essentially and it's um uh i was fascinated by it i i I thought i knew a lot about the attica uprising just because um you know it's one of my favorite movies of the afternoon that figures in to that plot in so many ways and just you know like it's a well-known historical event and um, i was shocked at how little i actually knew about it and um it's it's well done throughout it uh you know the it's very well edited it really just like um tells you the story uh in a very 
concise, well-produced way. And then we get to the last, like, 20 minutes or so, which um, talk about, you know, ties it in with a lot of conversations that we're having today about, you know, uh, white supremacy in America and um, police brutality and things like that and how a lot of this stuff intersects. Obviously, all this is present throughout the whole documentary, but it really comes to, like, a thesis of sorts in the last 20 mm-hmm. minutes that is so well done. And mm-hmm. um, it's like some of the imagery, and I mean, like it is a very disturbing documentary, I should say, like some of the imagery is very haunting, but um, I was, I was fascinated and really riveted and it just totally took me by surprise in how brilliantly done those last 20 minutes were. And, you know, I'm thrilled to see it get the nomination because, you know, like it just it's powerful in a way that really took me by surprise. And I think honestly is like mandatory viewing in so many ways. Like mm-hmm. I was just thinking, you know, uh, I'm sure you this happens to you a lot as well in school. Like we watched so many documentaries about like throughout uh, school or whatever. And um, I just kept thinking, like, if if I learned about Attica in high school which i i don't remember well enough it definitely was not as detailed as this was and i'm just hoping that like this is taught in schools to some regard because it is just so brilliant at a recounting history but also showing you how history can tie into like such big themes as racism and um uh you know um the current events like abolishing the police and things like that where it's like you know it just it is so timely and uh fascinating to see how history just is, is you know a living thing essentially and i i was really really fascinated by it i i love it so much i i love love is just is not like the right word i guess but like because it is very haunting and troubling but uh you know it it's a little too harrowing to be lovable yeah right yeah exactly but it is you know a brilliantly made documentary what, what do you think marissa yeah i mean i didn't actually know any like I knew what Attica meant in in Dog Day Afternoon because like the first mm-hmm. time I watched it I was like what's that about um but I did not know like how the conflict ended as it were so this was mm-hmm. like really um tense for me uh and you know pretty heartbreaking I would say it's um it's beautifully assembled it's like a like a perfect piece of um archival uh, and interview-based documentary filmmaking. You know, I think I'm usually the documentary expert on the mm-hmm. this this podcast, but also generally on the site. Um, so I um, I was really impressed with it, not having ever heard of it before this, and just not knowing what to expect really. So um, I was incredibly impressed by it. I think it's like really well made really good at making its point in a way that feels organic and like um inevitable and based on what the 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 evidence and things they present um it's just a smart documentary i was like riveted by it um and like it's i i've you know probably thought about it the most since watching it of this group um Mm -hmm. and there's just incredible moments you're right that last act is so um so smart about the way it ties into like current conversations about uh the prison system and 
race and the way things have evolved since this occurred, literally decades ago, um, there was a moment that really struck me when I was watching it that I that I like I that I like gasped when it happened in it, and then <clears throat> have thought about since where um, after the the police like take back the prison as it were. Um, there's this footage of uh, some officers just screaming white power. And I was like, whoa, because the, it's an undercurrent through the whole film, right? The, the racism of it all. And then finally to have it be like explicit in that moment just felt so, um, so impactful. And it's just a testament to the fact that that, that moment has such power that, the the brilliance of the way this film is edited because like yeah you know that's all there because of everything we've been talking about for the last like 10 years now um but to have it like the fact that they found that footage and like used it is so wild because they're they're putting so much together there's interviews like you said there's um uh interviews with the journalist who then they have Mm -hmm. um footage from his from his like filming and then there's like so many bits of footage from probably like a lot of vantage points that are, it's just really impressive. Uh, and, you know, and clearly um, it would have taken a lot of work to get the access to all those people that they did. So yeah, I just think it's really good. I was really impressed by it. Yeah. I think you're so right. Where like, th- like these themes are undercurrent throughout the whole thing, but I just think it's such a testament to how well edited it is that when it becomes explicit text in the mm-hmm. in the film itself it doesn't feel like oh like well we knew that already it feels like a real you know shocking moment yeah moment basically it's it's so such a well-done film um yeah. i was really impressed by it uh let's talk next about um ascension uh directed by jessica kingdon um uh, i i watched this one on paramount plus i believe According to the Paramount Plus app, it says it's an exclusive to Paramount Plus, but I don't know if that actually is 100% true. But um, uh, Marissa, do you want to talk a bit about Ascension? Yeah, sure. It's a sort of um, not so direct, uh, not directed, but um, not so like point driven of a film, let's say, as Attica um, or like um, specific to a person's experience like Flea. It's really about um, almost a bit of montage about... uh, like the tagline is about this, like the pursuit of the the Chinese dream or whatever. Um, But it's sort of about uh, life in China at the moment. And um, well, not necessarily at the the moment, like just about, you know, separated from the COVID of it all. Um, But about industry and uh, I suppose like the capitalist (laughs) moment there. I mean, we spent a lot of time like, I think the scene that you and I most were sort of impressed by is there's that extended sequence when they're in the sex doll factory, Mm -hmm. um, which feels like the one segment that is most trying to say something um, because it's all these sort of like women um, bitching at each other and their jobs, um, uh, but also constantly talking about productivity and like people being lazy and also, they're just like growing these giant sex cells around, like putting cornstarch on them so they don't like, you know, <laughs> get stuck when they're getting packed into a box and like, you know, putting hair on the <laughs> on between the legs of them. It's, it's fascinating. Like, 
you know, that scene could be really um, tasteless um, in some documentary filmmakers hands. Like I think of that American factory movie from a couple of years ago that, that won the Oscar that I thought was a little um, simplistic. This isn't that, but I do think there's a lack of, um, I think the lack of like pure, more obvious intention um, weakens this because after a while it does just feel like um, someone's like, I'm getting someone's idea of what maybe critique of China right now, but it's because it's not so clear. I am not entirely sure what I'm supposed to be getting from it necessarily, other than that the 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 economy is on an upward swing and maybe um, a punishing horrible environment for workers. Yeah, I uh, it's it's funny you bring up American Factory because I was worried going in that this one would be another one like a, a similar film to that where it just mm-hmm. feels like this uh tone deaf very simplistic exploration of you know capitalism in um china and things like that i but yeah i i i left it sort of um i, I was just cold from with it which is just like you know mm-hmm. maybe simplistic on my end but um i i kept thinking how some of these segments, especially the um, the sex doll segment that you were just mentioning, how some of them would be so impactful as short films. Um, yes. Like, yeah. you know, people can listen to our doc- our discussion of the um, the shorts this year in another episode, and um, how we found so many of them, uh, you know, really just lacking in. Uh, making it making an interesting statement because it's just so it's so blunt I think any of these segments would have been such an interesting counterpoint to those short mm-hmm. films because it is you know making a statement without literally without saying anything out loud it, because so much of it is just imagery and mm-hmm. um but altogether it just it becomes repetitive after a certain point and it's like uh you know this isn't the film's fault, I suppose, but like, especially in this day and age where like, I feel like you can't go a day on the internet without having some conversation about capitalism and the perils of capitalism, things like that, (laughs) and work and worker burnout, where I was just like, I was like, all right, enough after a while. Mm -hmm. It's, it becomes a little tiresome. Yeah. And, um, not necessarily through any fault of the director, just like, I, I just think, you know, I, this could have been a great short. And I was the imagery is consistently fascinating. There's some really unique segments here. But yeah, I, it is the, the one that left me feeling most cold of the four we were able to watch. And um, I don't know, I just, I, I, I think it's interesting this got in here because there were so many other documentaries. This is like, you know, documentaries are, are having something of a moment I think because we talked about this in 2019 especially where like you know films in general are more accessible because of streaming services right now and everything where like you know documentaries were hits in the box office in 2019 and now you know just like Discovery Plus and Disney Plus are like bidding lots of money to get documentaries available to stream and everything so I'm surprised and a little you know thrilled to see something so different make it into the nominee instead of something more simplistic or um audience friendly but i i myself was left 
somewhat pulled by it at the end. <laughs> yeah, it just feels like it desperately needs an edit. And it's only 97 minutes, but if it were 40 minutes and you said you have, let's say, the sex doll scene, the um, flight attendant stuff, mm-hmm. and the, uh, the like, um, butler classes, those would be so interesting as just the only things in the movie let's say if you just had those three segments it would easily be like short film of the year you know what I mean? short yeah. short documentary film of the year but because it just lacks a bit of focus I, I just do think it's it's not as impactful as it could be and yeah I mean there's some beautiful stuff in it um but like you know the the poster has that that overhead shot of the um the lazy river in a um in a water park and the water park stuff is probably the stuff most people have seen from it. Like the, the, those images are, they're striking, striking, you know, Mm. but yeah, I mean, I just think there's a little bit of, it's a little too um, soft in the editing. I think if truly, I think if there was a little stronger editing or maybe just less segments, I think, I think it'd be much more interesting, more impactful. I completely agree. Um, All right. Let's, let's move on to the, the last one uh and that is summer of soul or when the revolution could not be televised it's directed by Questlove, um and uh this one is available on hulu to watch for those who haven't seen it yet uh it follows or it, it's it's about the um 1969 harlem cultural festival and um this is a, this was a incredible concert in harlem um uh that featured like an an insane lineup of like every every major R and B star from that time basically, including uh, Stevie Wonder, Nina Simone, um, Sly and the Family Stone, to name just three. And um, in addition to being a documentary about this co- this concert and uh, featuring some incredible performance footage and interviews for people that were there, uh, it also touches on you know is- uh, issues of film and um uh just art preservation essentially because Mm -hmm. the footage from this concert was um nearly lost at one uh, at some point and it is through Questlove's uh, own efforts that this film even exists basically and um uh, I saw it at first at Sundance but I liked it so much at Sundance in 2021 that I went to see it in theaters when it was briefly playing uh I was the I, I saw it at like a suburban theater in New Jersey, and I was the only person in the in the actual auditorium for the screening, and um, it it felt like a a private show in a very big auditorium. And then, uh, I I I think this movie is magnificent. I I love this movie. I um, just you know, as a concert film, it's incredible just just to see these performances. But just as a testament to the importance of film preservation, uh, I think it's you know nearly unrivaled in terms of how to make make a conversation about that very entertaining and very um persuasive in just understanding why preserving art is so important and um i mean i do think it's somewhat ironic that uh this documentary you know is exclusively available to watch on hulu i'm like let's get a home media (laughs) release of this please but hello um, yeah but um um, oh, okay, it is. It, it has a 
a DVD, apparently. Uh, I'm like, let's get a let's get a better version, please. Let's get a Blu-ray. Let's Criterion, get, a get your yeah, shit together. Criterion, come on. Um, but I um, yeah, I think this is fantastic. I I I I was so stunned by it. It is, you know, entertaining every time I watch it because I looked up clips, just clips from it since my theater viewing uh and just as like you know a piece of history it's so thrilling because you are having these audience testimonies of people who have such fond memories of this concert and seeing how um the legacies of the people involved the artists involved changed over time and uh i i just i find i find it so stunning i i like a I like a good concert movie, but this almost made me think like we should wait 50 years before letting any concert movie get released because it just works as a great retrospective of, you know, like how music changed throughout the decades and everything. And just a really unique retrospective snapshot of that time period. Um, I can't say enough good things about it. I think this movie is so, uh, you know, essential and one of the best films of the year, regardless of documentary or narrative film um what what do you think marissa yeah i mean you know i when i had to um sit through uh get back which felt like purgatory to me i kept thinking back to this being like you know that was a concert that's that's a music documentary this is <laughs> punishing um but yeah this is it's great um i was thrilled by it uh you know i i love a lot of these um these artists. I, I, some, at some point in high school, I found Nina Simone. Oh, probably through, through Before Sunset. Actually, no, I knew her before that. So somehow I'd gotten into Nina Simone, right? Mm, <laughs> and, love that. Yeah, and um, I, uh, when she shows up in this, I could not believe it because that scene, it, it apparently could be the very first time she has ever performed Young, Gifted, and Black, right? the way she introduces it she she's just talking about it it's like here's my new song essentially i'm like this fucking seminal like song i can't believe i'm can you imagine getting to be there to hear it for the first time like i can't believe we get to watch this <laughs> like I was, <laughs> I was floored by it and there's and the thing is it's like i was just starting to flag on the movie when that when that happened then i was like a fucking masterpiece but for the most part every performance outdoes the, the the last one it's like mm-hmm. ridiculous there's the mavis staples and mahalia jackson duet on precious lord it's like oh my god if they were inside somewhere the roof would have come off the place it's it's nuts these the the footage that like is included here these these are incredible performances and like such a necessary bit of history that has been buried slash erased for so long thank god it exists somebody's got to put it on blu-ray because it's just like essential viewing for if you have any interest in in this in these artists which everybody should because realistically these artists are so influential that we don't get any of the music now that without without them oh yeah and they do a good job of showing like you know how influential these artists were in in this film it's it's fascinating and i think you know i i haven't watched get back because between between us i'm actually not that big of a beatles fan but um i like um, the beatles before it <laughs> oh god oh wow um 
But, um, I, it, it was eight hours. It's like, I know it's like six hours or whatever, but it felt like 24. Peter Jackson, you have been called out on this podcast. On this podcast. But, um, you know, it's just like, it is so, it's so, it, I just think it's so perfect. Like, I, I almost like, I hate just gushing over something, but at this point, mm-hmm. I'm just like, whatever. Like, I, I was so impressed Bro, by it. Life is so bad, and this Oscar's gonna, is going to suck so fucking bad. We have to take joy where we can. And this movie is it. It is so good. You know, it's just so good. It's so good. And, um, you know, one of the things we can take joy in is that I think this one's going to win. Um, I hope is, so. Yeah, which is quite nice. Um, I, I can't remember off the top of my head if this is one of the categories that will be presented during the show or um, if it has been relegated to the um, the pre-show. But regardless of when it gets presented, um, I do think this will take it home. I think it's very, very well-deserved. Um, it just it feels like, you know, the easy winner of this crowd. It won the PGA Award for Best... Um, for best documentary, and um, I don't know. I would be I would be thrilled with Attica taking it as well because they yeah. are both they are both very well done. But um, yeah, I think for me it would be the easiest box to check, basically, of like Summer of Soul. What what do you think? Um, uh, this will be presented um, live. It's documentary short that's getting um, you know, pushed to the side or whatever. Um, but yeah, I I agree. I, I hope. If this or Attica won, I'd be thrilled. Um, I, I, I actually either one would be great, great frankly, because um, they're both necessary in very different ways. Um, but if anything else wins, I mean, I guess I can't say that about Writing with Fire. I haven't seen it. But everything else, anything else, I'm not interested in winning. I, I want, uh, I want those two to win. Yeah. If, if it has to be something. <laughs> it, it'll be fascinating if Writing with Fire wins. I'll be just like, I. I'll, I'll have to watch it then. Yeah, same. I will definitely watch it then, but. Um, all right. Uh, I don't have any other documentaries I particularly wanted to flag. I believe the only other one I saw this year was um, the one, The Rescue or something like that. About, yeah, The Rescue. Oh, yeah. Which, which is great. Yeah, I thought it was meh. But, um, yeah. but and, and I, honestly, I think that's because they couldn't get, because the kids and everybody who was in the cave, um, it's about the, that cave rescue. Um, uh, it's because he couldn't get the rights to um, the story. Like he couldn't interview the actual kids, kids and adult who were in the cave because they'd already sold their life rights to an un- studio so that they, they could be made into a film. Yeah. It's like, so, you know, we can look forward to that, I guess, but um, yeah, you know, as a documentary, I, I will say um, I did see the other documentary I saw was the spark brothers, um, which, yeah. uh, is directed by Edgar Wright and um, is about the uh, the titular Sparks Brothers, who of course gave us um, they gave us Baby and that, and for that we will always um, love them. Um, I think it's a good documentary. I watched it like within 24 hours of watching Almost Famous, and because of that, I was like, music is really great, man. And like, I remember, <laughs> I remember thinking like, this is a little indulgent, but if I was allowed yeah. to. <laughs> make a documentary about like my favorite artists like lord or something like that i would make it oh my hours. god so it's like that's fine maybe if i watch get back i'll watch almost famous first just so that i can like be on this high but um marissa you're a documentary gal so what what have you watched this year that particularly stuck out 
Yeah, I got two. Um, who knows if they were eligible? I don't care, give a shit. This is really about me telling you to watch a couple documentaries, as it always is. One of them, I think, is probably, you know, probably as good as Summer of Soul, um, is the Tina Turner documentary that was on HBO. Tina. Ooh, that um, was great. That was great. I how that was good incredible. is that? Yeah. <laughs> How fucking good is that? Like, wh- did nobody like y'all have HBO, right? Like, where where were you? <laughs> Why is this not involved? Because uh, we're going to talk about it in our next season of um, our past Oscar podcast, the um, and the winner still is. But we're going to be watching um, uh, what's love got to do with it, which is um, the biopic of uh, Tina Turner starring Angela Bassett. And she says in in Tina that she she has some issues with that movie, Tina Turner herself, and. This documentary is so good because if you don't know anything about Tina Turner, it's, it's a really great um, uh, overview of her career and her as an artist and like what makes Tina Turner, Tina Turner, right? Um, but if you do, it feels like you are finally getting her story as she would have liked to be, liked it to be told, um, you know, late in her career at this point. Cause she's basically, in the movie, she's basically like, listen, I'm retired and I'm happy about it. <laughs> like, I'm so tired. Just like, I just want to live my life and have a nice time, like for, for whatever's left of it. Um, and uh, it's such a necessary document. Like, uh, we'll talk about it eventually, obviously, but like, and what love, what's love got to do with it, you know, necessarily sort of ends just as her career has this resurgence. This gets to cover everything. It It is like exactly what you need, you want about with, a documentary about uh, a, an incredible musician. It's like such great footage, uh, archival and otherwise interviews. Um, it's so well put together. It's such fun to watch. Like I've thought about it so much since I watched it and I, I should just watch it again because it was such a delight to see. Um, the other one that I have is um, called The Alpinist. It is a climbing documentary, which, um, you know, if you know me personally, I guess at this point, you know that I go climbing a couple of days a week in indoors. Um, and this is about an ice climber named Jean or Marc Andre Leclerc, who um, uh, just does ice. He's just does ice climbing, basically, which is I've never done, but seems nuts because it's like two ice picks that if you uh, famously, if you miss the ice pick that you're trying to get or the ice that you're trying to get into, or it slips, you can stab yourself in the leg and bleed out these things, right? And you're wearing little spikes on your feet. And he will go out and climb a thing he's never looked at before, which it wouldn't really matter anyway, because ice is constantly melting and shifting. So it's not like you can really know how to climb things. And he would just go out there and onsite it basically. And just like, which basically means I, I mean, he just shows up to a mountain and decides I'm going to climb the whole thing today <laughs> in freezing cold weather. <laughs> like, it's like, it's like, there's a moment where they actually say something like he goes out to do this climb and he's obviously never tried it before. And he's like, I'm going to try to do it in a day. And they mention that it's like three or four times the height of El Capitan, which is what, what Alex Honnold does in free solo. And he's nope. just going to do it in a day. And I was like, eat shit that is so nuts like and it's it's freezing it's like insane um and it's it's really fascinating the the only issue with it is there's a lot of voiceover work and it's kind of 
the story's not as sort of like linearly told as something like Free Solo because he's just not as um, willing to be filmed, let's say. Because he's like, uh, he often is like, if someone's around, then I'm not really soloing it, right? He's like, I want to be alone and I don't really need the filming crew. Like at one point in the film, they have to like find him. He just disappears and stops returning calls. And like, they have to like just drive around hoping someone's seen him basically. Um, so like it, it's, it's, um, there's a sort of incompleteness to it for a number of reasons in some part, because he's just not cooperating with the filmmakers, even though he like knows. Um, but it's the, the like skill and athletic ability it takes is so mind blowing to me. I just was, it's really good. And it's pretty short too. I think it's like under a hundred minutes. So I think it's on, uh, it should be on Netflix still and is totally worth a watch, but it's not quite as like um, terrifying as Free Solo, um, simply because a lot of the stuff that they're filming him on is a recreation because they, they can't get him to do it the first time. Um, so, you know, he's going to be safe or whatever. But um, yeah, it's it's still fascinating. It's like incredible. This kid, he's just like, he's just doing it for fun. He actually like, like, he's doing these things that are like truly nuts that nobody's ever done before. And he like is just doing it for himself. He doesn't want to break any records or do anything. He just like wants to go out there and climb this thing, which is just, you know, fascinating really. It's like the opposite of the sort of free soloness of it all, which is like a lot of people, you know, found Alex um, unlikable in that film because he clearly, you know, has an ego, but this kid just doesn't. It's, it's fascinating. And you know, a lot of climbers contain multitudes, so it's um, <laughs> not everybody is is an egotistical nightmare. You know, Alex is, and I am, but not this kid. I look forward to the documentary about your climbing career, whenever that. Me, that me shattering out. an ankle every two months. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Um, that, those are... Me doing my my best Brando impression, being like, I could have been a contender if I'd stuck with it my whole life. <laughs> oh boy my, my brother just took up climbing and actually goes to the same climbing gym that you go to and, oh man uh, we're gonna have to we're, he and I are gonna have to hook up at some point and, and start climbing together I'm just like I'm like y'all have fun I'm gonna stay down here on <laughs> on the ground but um uh, those are some fascinating fascinating recommendations um yeah so you know we'll see who wins the Oscars just in a handful of days but um, yeah, thank you for listening, people. We'll have another episode for you. We probably only have heavy hitters up at this point, so you know you're probably going to hear director or actor next. And um, uh, you know, in the meantime, Marissa, where can people find more of your work? I'm at Marissa Carpico, and uh, you know, at the Bro- Brooklyn Bouldering Project. You want to come and climb? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, I am on Twitter at MattMatthew1. I'm on Letterboxd at Matt C. And most importantly, I am on the ground. Um, Thank you for listening. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for listening, everybody.